Welcome to Tea with Culture. I'm Hin Mazaina and with me today is Wa'el Hattar. And we are going to interview Fadi Baki, a writer and a film director who is a co-founder and co-editor of Samandal, one of the Middle East's premier comic magazine uh, and Beirut Animated, the Lebanese Animation Film Festival. We recently saw his film, The Last Day of the Man of Tomorrow, at the uh, Dubai International Film Festival. Both Wael and I were totally in love with the film, and when we found out... Fadi, also known as the Fids, he's in town. We thought let's grab him and sit with him and have a chat with him about his movies. Uh, the movie, The Last Days of the Man of Tomorrow, is about a young filmmaker that investigates the legend of Manivelle, an automaton gifted to Lebanon in 1945 that still haunts an abandoned mansion in Beirut. After being coaxed back into the limelight, the people who knew him come forward to speak their mind and the myth that Manivelle has constructed around himself starts to unravel. Hi, Fadi. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on your show. Always a pleasure having uh, a young filmmaker with really good taste and uh, great development and rhythm. I mean, I'll start off like with the movie when I saw it, where El just was totally praising it because he saw it before me and he said, you've got to see this. And I'm so glad I did. And I managed to catch it on the last day of the festival. And I know I left with thinking this is a movie that talks about memory and legacy and um, and it's a lovely story set in Lebanon and these kind of memories and friendship like friendship was a deep thing that really touched me and I want to know what started like what inspired the story um wow well I think this thing started out in 2008 um it was a, a friend of mine, Michael Fakhri, he, he always wanted to do like a robot film in Lebanon. And he had this idea about like a robot that uh, worked in Barbar. And, you know, and there was this one night that... Can you explain to the audience what Barbar is? Barbar is the best place to have shawarma in Lebanon, in Beirut. I mean, is there anywhere else? I think, it, I think it's mostly in Beirut. But yeah, anywhere, anytime you go. And if you're lucky, you get your, your shawarma lahme and shawarma jej combined. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they 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 call it shawarma jahmi. It's jajulahmi, and uh, it's it's genius. Um, so yeah, so of course Manivel would be working there, and and I, it sort of went from there. It was one night that we're spending together. We're very old friends. We speak the same nerd language, and um, and uh, it's sort of like, well, what if the, what if it's an old robot? What if it's a, instead of it being like a new robot, it's an old robot? And we sort of just went with that. And it's like, how would it change history? You know, and um, like would uh, Nasser, uh, was it Jamal Abdel Nasser who gave it? And it sort of became like, of course, the French would give it as a present because the French loved Lebanon. It was their favorite colony. And they, ha they were in a habit of giving these presents, you know, like the Statue of Liberty. And they were like, we need to do one better now. So, so that's sort of where the idea came, and it sat around, and it just sort of sat there, and it was like, maybe we'll do this as a comic, maybe we'll talk about it again in a couple of years. And I think I was, at that point, we were working on Samandal, and it was a couple of years, and I was sort of sitting around, and I remember not being able to sleep. This is a consistent problem that I have. I have, like, chronic insomnia. And one night, I was just, I got a panic attack about, like, the state of my life, and it was like this thing where I'm like, oh my God, I'm not doing the things that I, that I want to do. You know, everyone told me, it's like, yay, you, you are so talented at this and so talented at that. And that's where like suddenly these two things lined up. I'm like, wait a minute, what happens? So this robot, if it was given like to, to the Lebanese, it would be, it would be like a, a child that is born a star. And suddenly it's lined up. I'm like, what happens? Like I started living this robot's life 
And I'm like, this guy is born into his own myth. And he was told that he's like the le nouvel homme and what would happen. And that's sort of where the personal part came in. And for those who aren't uh, Lebanese or French fluent, nouvel homme uh, just means the new man, correct? Yeah. yeah. I mean, th that's so just uh, very quickly, like le nouvel homme is what the automaton that is presented by the French. And what quickly transpires is... The Lebanese start treating it the way that the Lebanese treat everything. The president keeps it in the, you know, the presidential palace. He starts using it as a butler, basically, until somebody spills coffee all over him. And when they start, they send it to some garage. The garage guy puts various parts inside, like, and that was basically a spark that makes him come to life. This is always like the trope, you know, in robot science fiction, they're going to have to come to life. For the Lebanese, they, it comes to life through Zibela, basically, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so that's when he starts to be known as Manivelle. Uh, Manivelle, in, in, at least in Lebanon, it's basically a crank, and that's how you would... It was funny in that that would be the way that you would start him. And so Manivelle sort of becomes this, uh, this star, you know? It was like he was this talking, walking robot, and, and everyone wants to take a photo with him. And that's how the Nouvel Homme... There's, a, there's actually a story that never made it into the film. I loved it. I really wanted to film it. It was, uh, there was this scene, basically, where they go, at some point he gets nationalized. And so they take him to Akhraj al-Aid, and he's like, le nouvel homme. They're like, last name first, first name last. He's like, homme nouvel? They're like, what? Homme nouvel? And they're like, manivel? Yes. And that's how he basically, minzal al-Aid, manivel. And the next thing that you, they ask you in Lebanon, they're like, you know, what religion are you? And that, that was, he was like supposed to be also the, the first Lebanese that is no sect on his, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's there in the film, but it's there as a headline. We didn't have time to shoot it. I mean, uh, I remember the scene where they talk about, yeah, the national, the nationalities, Lebanese, and also because it referred like the way he swears, oh yeah, that he is a Lebanese robot. And I remember just recently how Saudi announced Sophia, the first Saudi, you know, it's like, so this robot that has a nationality and it was a female and, and it was a really strange thing to connect to, even though the movie you worked on obviously was many years. And, and now it's like, wait, there is this whole, <laughs> you know, the, the nationalized robot that represents you know the future and hope and, and so yeah so I thought that was really interesting when that moment happened I thought of that right away I loved how you presented Manivel's life journey and which also parallels the history of Lebanon and uh, but also on a personal level how he's a celebrity and he's also a film star and then also as he's aging and you know how he's kind of reflecting and thinking about life but one one chapter in the in the film was him being a movie star and I, I love that and that could have been expanded into a separate film on his own and I when I saw Sabah's pictures and how he said he was Sabah's you know true love and can you tell us about that and how Sabah got into this film about her images anyway um so I mean Sabah in specific Sabah uh, was like an icon of of Lebanon and uh, in many ways it was sort of about inserting Manivel into that history specifically also Sabah is famous for her different uh, husbands and you know and she was uh, with Wadi Asafi and Fadi Lebanon and you know it was like of course Manivel would be one of those guys right so and, and it was just like a thing that we were talking about like uh, you know like uh, when we were recording which was about well what is the sex of this robot he's, he's basically genderless right it was, it was the Nouvel Homme it could be Le Nouvel with a, with a L.E. at the end but yeah I mean he the, a different aspect of this robot is this sort of 
performative masculinity. Like he, especially in that film that he makes, he ends up taking on like these hyper masculine traits, whether it was like the Lebanese traits or these trashy 70s, 80s action films that he sort of takes on. So it became very clear that a part of it was this, you know, I am a man and I am not only am I a man, I am the new man. And so, you know, this sort of became part of it. And, you know, Sabah is that notch on the belt that he'd be going around, you know, talking about. So, yeah, I think I think it's uh, it's something that, that many people would be proud of. I'm not sure Sabah would be, like, sort of proud of it. Like, oh, that guy. <laughs> well, um, as, as the film had so many kind of layers and chapters and segments in it, but you've also, at the end of it, you have the credit rolls out and you have a lot of people working on, on this film. And... Uh, uh, as we had mentioned a little bit in our earlier episodes about Dubai Film Festival, this, this year the, the shorts have been quite strong. Uh, and also the difference is um, a, a little bit moving away from that auteur kind of wannabe uh, film god and actually develop it as a craft with other people, which is what you have. And, and like I said, um, a lot of them were, were influenced, I'm assuming, because you had mentioned a little bit about the the illustrator that you've worked with to design the characters and then I know the editors and the sound guys and all of that how much of, of all of these people's input actually ended up working for the film changing the idea of it kind of developing it from the original kind of standpoint so uh, as I said earlier that we the, this idea was around like since 2008 and it wasn't even my idea it was like me and a friend's idea and uh, when I wrote the script, I wrote it on my own in 2013, and we got the funding uh, to do it in 2014. We're 2017 now. So this film has been gestating for four years, and uh, it took on so many different forms while doing that. And those had to do with budget, those had to do with rewrites. I hate writing, I'm terrible at it. And so I naturally just went out to my friends and I'm like, please help me out with this. And it was whoever, like my poor girlfriends had to hear about this. They had to talk me through these things and their ideas. Um, and then also my dear friend, Lina Munzir, who's a fantastic writer, you know, on her, on her own. Uh, like, she, she's a writer. And uh, she sort of at some point uh, did a draft on this film. Uh, Omar Khouri, who's also the illustrator, at some point took a stab at, at these things. And now when I look at the film, I can't tell who wrote what. It really sort of became very much like Manivel, like a, a mishmash of all of these different uh, lines, ideas, you know. I, I can't tell anymore who's, who did what. And it's sort, of, it sort of like a film like this, and this is really what I enjoy. There's very little that I can still enjoy about this film. But when I look at it, I, I realize that it feels like there's one thing about it. You look at it, it feels like there, there's a universe outside the film. And that's by the nature, by nature of having so many people contributing to it, and that is not to say anything for the for you know director of photography who was working on it, the set designer, you know, all of these people brought things into it. And then I reached out to to you know another friend of mine who's uh, John Nasser, who's part of Fariel Atrash. I know he's into like funk music, and and I'm like, please for for this film in the film, can you please write a song for it? So we have like this sort of Fareel Atrash or, or John Nasser's take on those 80s trashy songs. It's like, men without hearts. It's hilarious. And and so it, it really, like, the, the film is like the combination of all of these people's 
thoughts, ideas, and, and energies. I mean, the film also, like, it, it feels analog, but it also feels, like, quite slick, you know, with the digital effects. But everything's done so seamlessly and uh and i'm intrigued because i remember in the end credits there was also quite a man in suit you know so you're like yes there was someone physically dressed as a robot but you also had like digital animation of it and could you tell us about that like I'm, i'm so interested in the process of the film and as you touched upon it is a major collaborative effort and and it feels like a loving project and everything was where everyone was working together but yeah i'm interested to know that yeah the when what aspects were felt really analog and what felt very you know digital and how 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 is that process and how is that workflow so um i mean there's one thing and we can talk about it later i think by by again science fiction tends to be like this sort of uh it it in, involves a lot of people right it requires so many more personnel that are to to bring this vision to life and And any kind of sci-fi, even if it's like a trashy 70s film, like sort of requires all these people. So definitely, I think this is by just the nature of it being a sci-fi, this is a part of it. Originally, the film uh, and the way that we pitched it, we always thought it was easier to do Manivelle as a th uh, you know, 3D animated uh, uh, character. Um, I work in animation. I've, uh, this, this is basically how I make money. So I kind of know how to do, you know, compositing, basic compositing and, and some 2D animation. So I had an idea about what we, what we were going to do. Um, thank God that we didn't do it that way. Thank God. It turned out that it was way more expensive to do it that way. And I think the process would have been so much longer and harder to have like a sort of digital character that's there and... What happened uh, at some point was um, we came across this crazy guy, this crazy German guy who works in, in like physical effects, like uh, practical effects. His name, uh, the company's called Chris Creatures. Chris Kunzman is still like, a, he's a proponent of the art of practical effects. He builds puppets, he builds, you know, he's makeup and giant like models and stuff like that. And, and Chris t told us, like, he's like, I love your idea. If you ever get money, come back and we'll talk about it. And so when we got our first funding, we went to Chris. We were like, Chris, will you do this? He's like, let's do this. And that's sort of when it happened. We didn't know um, that that's, that, that's how we're going to do it. But eventually it turned into a mishmash of an animatronic suit with augmented CGI. And definitely having like a suit that was there really helped us to, to sort of go out, put this guy in the street, not worry so much about like oh where's the lighting and how are we gonna track this how are we gonna composite it suddenly we could just go shooting like hey we'll put the camera here we'll put the camera there that really gave us so much flexibility and it also the format of the sort of documentary sort of came afterwards also by virtue of having we're like we have the suit how do we shoot it we augmented it with some cgi so you see some moving parts and also for earlier manivel we had a puppet Uh, that was like half size that was operated by a bunch of puppeteers um, this stuff was also composited in post um, we also had an amazing uh, um, like a, a, a colorist uh, and it was like a post-production house who came and the idea is uh, w the idea was like let's actually do this analog let's take the stuff and then run it through a VHS and you know instead of actually like making digital effects that look like it let's run through the VHS and play and actually get that VHS feel and uh, I mean this was all the stuff that went into it and in a way it was like an orgy of all of these like the, the techniques they were like hey let's do this and that and, and I think that's it looks effortless 
it was very effortful. Were people expecting something different from this sci-fi since it's coming from the Arab world when you were getting your funds from Germany? I mean, who knows what, like, science fiction in the Arab world is sort of like this, I think uh, it's a genre that doesn't, doesn't exist. There's been, like, trials, there's been different attempts at these things, and I think they've just been very singular attempts. Um, for me, it, it sort of just came out of the things that, that I grew up with, whether it was Grindizer and the anime. And I, I think, like, the Middle East, specifically in its name, is sort of, it's really, like, we're getting, like, the anime from Japan, and we're getting, you know, like, Transformers from the United States, and it was, like, this mishmash of both of these things. And um, So a lot of the, the understanding of science fiction was always hybrid. But for us, science fiction is always, like, a foreign uh, genre. Yes. It's rare, and it's... And always in its conception, whenever, like, when you're a kid, you're like, hey, let's do sci-fi, and then let's do it in Lebanon, or let's do it in... And you feel like how it doesn't fit. If there's a scientist who invents something, you're like, what scientists? Invent what? We don't have these things. So, again, it, this, was, this was a trick, and this was a, a very tricky situation to sort of handle, is how can you make sort of sci-fi feel at home? It's just interesting that you mentioned that because uh, in in my money making kind of world, a lot of it to do with production and, and sci fi writing and and the way around it. Because also keep in mind, a lot of things are uh, kind of against religion or <laughs> against society when things are haram in that sense. So you, you have to kind of the way that these small shows are coming up now or this was being developed is to really make it kind of look uh, not necessarily location based, but something close to 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 your to your film about associate it to the real life aspect so maybe closer to how uh, South African films that are sci-fi kind of these lower uh, I don't want to say third world countries but kind of these worlds where they have to it has to look like their 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 dramas which is kind of low end and everything else and kind of not have these scientists because they are no scientists more be like a like something broken down than me having to do it or just being set in the future or like yours covering um, the, the idea of, of, of Lebanon history but in, a, in, a, in that kind of sci-fi funny twist well I mean I recall uh, a couple of years ago I was researching sci-fi films from the Arab world because I was part of a blogathon to write about science fiction films and I wanted to focus on uh, finding if there are any made in the Arab world because I didn't know any what's growing up and then I stumbled upon a movie called Sins of an Angel, Khati'at Malek, starring Hussein Fahmi and Nelly. And it's about how Hussein Fahmi, who's the alien, who's sent to Earth to fix problems because it's so destructive and, you know, people... And this is in the 70s, so it's the same problem like we have today, you know, war and, war and hunger and poverty, and he's been sent. But it was also a very kind of religious, safe film, you know, so, it's, you know, certain words are used and... Um, and you know it still refers to the creator and so it was quite an interesting film totally like B-movie style and and it's a musical as well and there's like amazing colorful costumes and and you know I found like a really not a very good copy on YouTube because again the access to these films you know they're not like properly archived they're not nowhere to buy them properly and I was really intrigued and I also found another film Rihlat Al-Qamar starring Ismail Yassin which I don't I've not seen so I'm, I need to track that one down but I think in general that genre in the Arab world is very limited it's not the usual and I think when it is done it is done like with a moral point you know and compared to I think science fiction films you know the western world was dystopian and trying to be futuristic but it's also addressing current problems but the one I saw was totally in the now and yeah and we'll send this alien Tomar by the way is his name and you know and he falls in love with the you know an earthling and but there's a bad guy and and again it goes into your typical film Masri or Masal Masri type of narrative but it was interesting this was made and yeah it was 
I have no idea. I don't think it was successful because it's not a really known film. Um, but yeah, it, 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 I think there is sci-fi in that world, but it's really limited. And I'm hoping now, as you said, I think with the current generation who filmmakers maybe who have grown up are influenced, are into making these kind of stories. Again, like we started the conversation, it's about having a, a group work on it rather than just one person trying to struggle by themselves. Where you have writers who are willing to share, willing to talk to each other. You have editors who would also restructure something, and then directors and visualizers who can work together. Because in the end, this genre is so muddled up and relatively new, we need to have more than one brain. But it's probably one of the genres where you can, I think, talk about current issues and in the guise of science fiction, right? Where things, if you address it in your typical narrative films, you're worried about censorship, you're worried about pushing buttons or crossing lines. And I feel science fiction is really there to be able to play with these themes. And I'm hoping more filmmakers in this part of the world tap into that genre to, to make these films. I mean, uh, I think what you guys were saying are exactly like those, the thoughts that I had when, when I was sort of considering this and how, how to sort of proceed with that. And uh, absolutely, I mean, science fiction is great at sort of addressing the anxieties of now. It throws them into the future and then it tries to dress them up in, in you know, different artifices. But Star Wars, you know, it's like a soap opera in space and then it, and just, you know, it's like magic swords and it's magic and light swords and then, you know... Um, it is called a space opera. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And uh, so it's it's really, it's kind of window dressing, but it's always tackling like things that we are experiencing now. And of course you can look at it and, you know, later on and sort of see it as a product of its time. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, those are the things. But the one thing that for me, like sort of, uh, like in considering how to make it fit into the Arab world and specifically into Lebanon, um, I mean, the science part of science fiction, we don't have, right? So, of course, like, this, this thing was sort of, uh, this machine uh, comes, uh, it's handed in from the outside, but the hybridity also needed to exist, and that's why it was like a machine that comes from the outside, but then it's tampered with by, like, an Armenian, like, a, the, one of those minority uh, societies in Lebanon, who are usually, like, in Lebanon, it's sort of, like, that's a cliche, your mechanic is an Armenian, because they're so good at fixing things, and so he sort of comes in and, and in many ways it's also also played like on a social level as well. This is those, you know, um, where this was the father of, of this machine. So it sort of came into it. And and I've been trying to push this this word. It, no one's taking it, but I love it. I'm like, we don't have science fiction. We have chaos fiction. And that's basically how the robot comes alive. They spill coffee on him. They put, ro you know, car parts inside the robot. And whoop, it comes alive. That's our science fiction. It's the better fiction, you know? And so that that's sort of how... I mean, who's to say, right? Either you have, like, a neural network from the future and it decides to take over the world, or you throw coffee on it and then it just comes to life. It's pretty much the same thing. So this was the sort of... This was the interesting part in how to play. And then people's reaction to it. Again, this was like a robot that has been around since the beginning of Lebanon. I'm like, of course, the Lebanese... They don't care. And there was a scene that we never made into the film where there was this turning point where Manivelle, like when he starts out, he's like this, oh my God, he's a work of science and engineering. He's a masterpiece of, you know. And then around the 60s, I found this piece of archival footage that was uh, Tele Liban. It's, it was its first satellite broadcast of the landing on the moon, right? And so it was around 67. And I'm like, wow, that feels like such a nice pivoting point. 
because the moment that they land on the moon is the moment that you realize that Menivel has become outdated. He's not the nouvel homme. He's like the old man. He's and you know and and there's a point where like the Smith sort of becomes old school, and it was sort of interesting. And at, where it ends up today, you see people are looking at the nouvel homme, and it's like, oh man, here's that piece of junk blocking the road again, and nobody cares about him. The people's reactions are sort of the way that they the Lebanese specifically react to everything, which is ugh. I've seen better, you know. And so that also felt very much like our kind of science fiction, you know. Not only is it lo-fi, but we, we're going to actively shit on it. <laughs> and, and we all know we rarely get um, any sci-fi stuff in Arabic. Of course, now now that we're saying it, the, the trend that the next coming years would always be that. But having you started four years ago, um, and where did you, how did you, how were you able to convince some of the people to give you this money for a long, long-ish short sci-fi? So, again, when this idea came up, I'm like, okay, we'll put it in the drawer, it'll be a comic, maybe, and then we'll never... It was never going to be a film. It was... Originally, I found, like, when I was dreaming of it, it was like, it's a TV show, right? And then nobody's going to make this TV show. A lot of things have changed in those 10 years. Like, when this idea came up in 2008, it was impossible to do these things. And I think that in the 10 intervening years, what happened was with the Marvel films and sci-fi and becoming like really taking the you know like now we see so many sci-fi films so much more than before I think it became a bit more acceptable now sci-fi in the Middle East it's a weird thing because we grew up on these things right and there's a generation of people whether they were growing up on Gundaisen or, or, or anime or you know like Buck Rogers or Galactica and has grown up now to be like now adults who are either working in the in the fields and so these people basically want to tell stories along these lines. And I think because this thing is, is so expensive and difficult, it tends to not happen. What happened with us, the, you know, our big break was the fact that uh, Robert Bosch, which have a fund um, every year, is, which is in a, they're basically, it's a co-production for German slash Arab filmmakers. And that was our big break. They, they again, we went and I pitched and I'm like, there's no way they're going to, you know, go out on a limb for this. They did. And with them giving us like a big uh, push, suddenly other funders sort of came in. And and really, again, like, I think they, we sounded like we knew what we were talking about. I'm like, yes, I do animation. I, I do animation, but I didn't know what I was getting into. And I think, uh, yeah, we sort of like sold it, but then we had to do it. And the money was never enough. And it's, you really very quickly realize this is an expensive genre to make, you know. Were any of the of these funders uh, Arab-based? Like, did you get anything from the, the regional uh, film support? So we applied. We applied to a number of grants from the region. We don't have that money, right? There's not that many grants for in, the, in the Arab region, especially for shorts. There's maybe more for features. Uh, we didn't get any of those grants. The, all of the, the state grants that we got were from Germany. Um, but what we did get, so we, we shot, and then we had to reshoot, and we needed more work. We ran out of money, basically. Um, the, the people that came in and sort of swooped in and saved us last, at last minute was uh, Cinemoz, which became the associate producers on, on Last Day's The Man of Tomorrow because... They, they essentially rescued us. They have an interest in uh, genre, uh, in like specifically science fiction, horror, and, and uh, they're creating content in that vein. 
and for them this was you know along the same lines so they they were happy and were really lucky to have them come in and basically save us so cinemas for listeners who aren't familiar with them it's a middle east uh, based uh, vod so you can watch movies and f- full features and shorts uh, i don't know if they put tv shows on it i'm i'm just familiar with movies only and uh, but i'm really happy to hear that they are also interested in funding and helping new films being made assuming it'll end up being on their platform for people to see am i right in saying that Uh, yeah, the deal with cinemas, and which was a very generous deal, which is for them, I think, primarily it was support. Uh, they they liked the film and they wanted to just see it be done. Um, they're like, when you're done with the festivals, we would love to have it uh, on our platform. So at the end of the day, I think once this film and we you know like short films rarely have a home, it's fantastic to have something like cinemas to be you know the final home for this, so that everyone can see it. I know they're working on genre material. They they're working on TV shows, and and um, we have like some friends in common who uh, uh, they're like, wait, you guys are working on this. This guy's doing this film about a robot. You guys should hook up. So the lesson here is, yeah, tell people what you're doing. Be out there. Put yeah. yourself and you know networking to yeah, and eventually these connections happen, right? So yeah, I think yeah, young filmmakers, yeah, go out there, talk about your stuff, and 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 get as many people on your side as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was this was this is also the nature of Lebanon, where it's it's so small. Everyone knows everyone. Uh, it's easier to do this. It's funny when I was in Germany, like every time we we're doing stuff in Germany, I would sort of talk about it like Lebanon. They'd look at me like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "We'll just go and talk to these people, and sure they'll give us money." And they're like, "That's not the way it works. You have to apply. You have to, you know, there's a system." In Lebanon, the system is you just talk to people, right? And then they hear about it and it's like, "Let's work together." So, so what's next for the film? Any festivals? Or are you applying? I mean, will any any opportunities for people to see this soon somewhere? Um, so we played in Fantastic Fest in uh, in uh, United States. We played in uh, Hoffa Film Festival in Germany, and Dubai was the first time that I saw it with an audience. Um, before that, I've been just showing it to my friends, and you know, it was like it, it really was completely re-energizing to see it with people. Like to have it's different when you see it with someone. You're hanging on their every twitch, and you're like. They hated this part. They liked it. Oh my god! And it just sort of came out. I never got a read. Watching it with a room full of people, having everyone laugh, having everyone sort of react, there was like <gasps> gasps, and you know, and it really was something. And then you know, come around and and see people who were really excited about the film. My god, I I can suddenly like this film. You know, it, because it's a film, any film, like it stays with you for so long, it just sort of becomes a nightmare. And this is the first time that I was able to sort of uh, enjoy it. And uh, so, yeah, I, for me, this is like the beginning of that, um, you know, festival round. I hope it's not really being accepted into. Uh, we we went for the A-list festivals. For Khan, it was too long, and then Toronto, look, but they weren't taking it. Honestly, I think it's it's the nerdiness of it. I think it's a, perhaps it's a little bit too highbrow for just a nerdy sci-fi, and it's a little bit too lowbrow for an arty festival. And we're sort of in between. It's this like weird mishmash. Plus, it's long. It's like half an hour, so it's a difficult film to program. And uh, hopefully, people will take it because it seems like the audience like it when they see it. 
Well, we'll spread the word and make sure people are aware of this film. And hopefully, if it ends up on cinema soon, we'll totally be. I'll totally be pushing that, you know, through my blog and our social media and telling people in person. Yeah, and on that note, uh, thank you so much for for coming and talking to us. Uh, again, we can't emphasize how much we really, really enjoy this film. It's a breath of fresh air to, to see Arabic content that, again, isn't highbrow artsy or isn't kind of lowbrow nerdy, but some creating a new position of just being a good film. So uh, thank you very much, and uh, goodbye. Thank you, guys. Seriously, I mean, again, this is like the first time that I talk about it uh, publicly, and, and thank you for not only enjoying the film, but, uh, you know, wanting to talk about it. So cheers. You can listen to this as well as some of the other uh, other conversations about film and, and Dubai Film Festival on our podcast Tea with Culture at SoundCloud, as well as you can download it and rate it on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play.